Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. Today we chat with Tim Swift. He's a business executive, business strategist with a strong financial and leadership background. Man, he's got a lot of knowledge and it's just a very deep conversation about life. Um, we certainly talk a lot about business and, and um, careers, but it, it's more about you know looking at your life as a whole and what's important and prioritizing. We talk about seasons in life and Tim is from Australia and moved here to the US which was a, a obviously a huge transition for him and his family. And then things did not go so well when he came to the U.S. And, um, initially. And so certainly he's um, doing very well and has done very well financially. Uh, and what's interesting, too, with this episode is that we talk a lot about um, how he ran his own business for about 10 years, and then he went back into the W-2 world. Um, and so I know a lot of our guests go the opposite way where they leave their W-2, start a business. Um, well, he had a pretty big exit. He, had, he left his initial business and and went in to become uh, an employee again. And then he also has had a recent exit um, where he benefited greatly and has had some few month, a few months off and has had a lot of time to kind of evaluate life and what's important. And uh, we talk... I mean, he just, he just, this one's great. I mean, he, he repeatedly talks about how it takes a village, how it's not all about him and how he's really trying to show up to allow others to be the best version of themselves. That's really his, his why that drives him. This one's fantastic. You're going to love it. Welcome to the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Then this show is for you. Each week, we bring you impactful stories of real people who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Bateman, and I'm thrilled today to have with us Tim Swift, who's a 
business executive, business strategist, among other things. Uh, Tim, how are you doing today? Just fabulous, Jamie. Fabulous, as we would say. Uh, wonderful when, wonderful Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? Thursday. Thrilling Thursday. <laughs> it's okay. This will come out on a Tuesday, so we'll just pretend it's Tuesday. So that'll be terrific then. Terrific Tuesday. Exactly. Mm. Uh, my family's tired of me making those comments first thing in the morning is dad jokes. But so, Tim, obviously, you and I have had the pleasure of getting to know each other a little bit over the last couple of months. And yeah. we were chatting before we hit record here. So I know for for I'm, I'm very confident that our listeners are going to get a, a lot of value out of this conversation. So I know a good bit about uh, your your story and, and what you've been up to more recently, but the listener may not be familiar with you. So who are you and what are you up to today? Yeah, well, th- thank you. And and that's the first thing that needs to be said. I appreciate you having us on the, uh, having me on the podcast, Jamie. It's a uh, a thrill to actually be able to sort of think through some of these things and the lessons that personally I've learned. And uh, if there's something in there for somebody else, then then wonderful. Um, oh, who am I today? Well, I think if the first thing that needs to be said, like most of us, is, yep, I'm a husband, I'm a father, um, I'm a son. And that's always going to be the case, irrespective of what happens professionally. That for me is always uh, at the at the root of it. Yeah. And it ends up sort of being the the why, kind of I why I exist. Um, as you can tell by the accent, and I, I know you know this, but just as far as putting some context to this for anyone else that's listening, native Australian, um, married with a couple of couple of beautiful daughters um, that are in their adult years, as we say, they're still learning to adult. <laughs> and uh, no, my wife and I uh, live up in uh, the glorious Pacific Northwest. Uh, moved up here a few years ago, and uh, you know from professional opportunities. But who am I, and what am I doing? Well, I've gone through, a, I guess, a transition from mm-hmm. what was back in Australia um, a small business owner, um, moved to the U.S. and went into professional careers, and and now am the uh, executive vice president of business affairs for a media company. So essentially run a lot of the operations for a media company that's based in the uh, the western states of the US, six particular markets, and uh, just thrilled at the opportunity to be able to, uh, to to work back with this organization that I happened to be at about five years ago. That's fantastic. I know you have a, a very strong financial background and leadership, uh, and, and there's all, we could probably have six different episodes right right here right now with mm. the amount of knowledge that you're bringing to the table um and I, I do definitely want to focus at some point in the conversation on you know how you how and why you went from being a small business owner to joining uh, what i believe was a larger organization and uh you know because a lot of our listeners either or a lot of our guests i should say previously have um gone the opposite you know they've gone from w2 worker to starting their own business uh, maybe they've had an exit but then they probably go start their own business so i'd love to hear later you know hmm. kind of uh like we we talked about before a little bit um kind of what your mindset and, and and why you went the the route that you did which may seem counterintuitive to some people um so before we get there though 
let's jump back. Let's jump back to your time in Australia and, and let's walk through your backstory. So talk to us about how your you know, what was your life like in Australia? Life in Australia. Well, I think we we mentioned the most uh, asked question that I've I've typically actually been given is why in the world did you move from Australia to the US? <laughs> um, so going back, yeah, look, Australia, beautiful country. Was born, bred there. Um, I guess you'd say life was um, pretty standard um, for us. Um, Mum, mm-hmm. dad, three kids. I was the youngest um, by far. Um, schooled over there. Um, met met my wife well actually excuse me um having been in australia i had the opportunity at one point to be able to serve um a a two-year mission um i was able to move over to the us and uh, serve a mission for our church but it was uh, actually serving the laotian refugees the laotian community in atlanta georgia and it was probably one of the very first adventures that i actually took it was the first time i ever stepped out of australia went, experienced something with a whole different community that I'd never experienced before. And then that led me to, uh, after a couple of years of serving with them back to Australia, I uh, had the fortunate opportunity of then meeting up with a couple of business partners and we started a financial advisory firm. Okay. So that financial advisory firm started with nothing. Um, we built it up and uh, built it up to assets of over a hundred million dollars under management and serving you know, a number of high net worth individuals. Hmm. Um, lots of lessons in that one, Jamie. When you start <laughs> okay. from nothing and build it, yes. build a business up, um, as I'm sure you know. I've, I'm I'm continually learning lessons uh, with regard to starting businesses from scratch, and and um, man, it's it's not always easy. But uh, so you did that for uh, about how long? Oh, that was um, close on 10 years thereabouts that uh, it took us to actually build that. So, you know, typically the, you know, the small business hockey stick starts to Mm -hmm. exist as in there's a lot of inertia that you actually need Mm -hmm. to to build up, get the flywheel happening. And at that point, it it really started to grow Um, that. I guess, culminated at a point where many of us would actually still remember um, the global financial crisis. Sure. Um, So heading into sort of that 2007, 2008 type period. Um, Yeah, business was uh, doing pretty well. Hmm. Okay. So let's let's back up for a second. So, I mean, you know, you did the two-year mission in Atlanta, Hmm. uh, moved back. Did, did you always know you wanted to start a business or did you just bump into these guys and say, Hey, over, you know, let, let's start a business next week or what made you start a business with them? And, and how did you choose your, your uh, business partners? Uh, thank you. The, I think one of the general threads that I've come up with in, in this whole thing that we call life is it takes a village. Um, sure. As much as, as much as I had sort of desires and aspirations to, uh, to achieve personally, um, mm-hmm. it was really because of meeting and um, yeah, meeting a couple of individuals that I'd known from other situations that we were able to come together and say, "Oh, I have a distinct skill set. Mine happen happen to be around financial advisory. Mm-hmm. These other two partners of mine happen to be very good accountants." 
And okay. uh, together, we complemented each other and actually then set this business up. And that's how it came about was mm. you know, just a couple of conversations of, oh, would this be possible? Yes. There are other things going on in the industry that said that uh, this is actually a good business model where you're serving people, mm -hmm. um, where professional um, providers are actually working closely together to actually serve the needs of their clients. And mm -hmm. we thought, let's go. Hmm. I love that because you're, you're looking not only at what the others, what everyone, the three of you individually bring to the table as far as how could you make a good team, hmm. but um, but you're also, sounds like you were paying attention to market conditions, economic conditions, and and the need of others outside of your team, not just, this is my, this is my passion. I want to be a financial advisor and I don't care, you know, w what the need is. So um, any yeah, other insights? Well, yeah. I'll, I'll simply say, I mean, the origin of that was the recognition of well, what what was my why? And uh, if I, in fact, yeah. your questions are actually bringing a, a number of <laughs> thoughts that I hadn't even, again, hadn't come to the surface for quite some time. But the origin of actually why I even wanted to get into financial advice was to help other people. Okay. Was to Let's educate. Yeah. So just to educate people and, and well, why, how, how did you envision helping others through financial services? Sure. So uh, one of the necessities of life, right, is that sure. um, we have the ability to be self-sufficient. Um, how do many people have not had the schooling, um, don't have the same level of literacy as it relates to, you know, the financial area. Um, acting as a financial advisor was one of those things that I said, oh, I can actually help here. There is an innate, there is an innate ability, I guess, call it that, that you know you learn as you're growing up. Some things that you're really good at, numbers. Other sure. things that I'm not so good at, words um, or names. <laughs> right. And uh, that lent itself to oh, there's a distinct profession here that I can uh, I can help people with, and uh, that's where joining the two together, um, that mm -hmm. financial advice realm, was one that I figured that I'd be able to you know make an impact. Sure. And it sounds like you were already moving into that, th toward that direction and in, in that direction prior to your, your mission trip in Atlanta. Is that, is that correct? I, I had, I'd started, a, started an accounting degree at that point, um, okay. took some time out away from that, which was super valuable because uh, after returning, let's just say the level of my focus was greatly enhanced. Hmm. Um you know, before that, when you start college, it's uh, it's always, nah, what are the other parties and things that we can actually get involved in? In fact, um, let's just call it an early entrepreneurial um, opportunity was actually opened up a nightclub. Okay. I, op I opened up a nightclub in order to save the money to actually take that two-year mission. Huh. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, so th let's call it the first foray. The first foray was not successful, I'll say that. Okay. Only because, and I would absolutely state this, there was just no alignment between ultimately what my vision was versus mm -hmm. the values that were actually coming out in the business. You know, a nightclub mm. is not necessarily conducive to, let's call it a service orientated opportunity. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. you know. Well, that's the first on the podcast uh, as far as uh, someone who's talking to the guest who started a nightclub. And I was pretty surprised just based on... Uh, what I know about you that, you know, thus far. So that's, that's interesting. So that didn't, that didn't go so well from a, from a business standpoint, right? Uh, it was pretty, 
clear quickly that that was not the route. So there's another lesson in this is that sometimes, you know, when you actually go down a fork in the road, it's okay to stop and realize mm. that that's not the route that you want to take. You can simply back up and then go down the other fork in the road, knowing full mm. well that, hey, I explored that path. Sure. It doesn't mean that it was you know, bad. It just means, okay, that's not the right road to actually take for me. Back sure. up, off we go down in the, the correct path. I think that's a difficult thing for people to figure out for all of us to figure out is when, you know, when to be kind of stubborn and persistent and and uh no, I'm I'm moving toward my goal versus stop, reevaluate, take in different considerations and and what might look like a, a failure or or a lack of or I guess a regression, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, actually I just <laughs> interesting, I just said that today to my wife. I said, well, you know, progress isn't typically linear we were speaking about um some things with my son and you know it's uh sometimes you got to take one one step backward before you can go down the right path yeah indeed in fact uh with another group that I, i i do some volunteer work with they talk about mistakes and oftentimes we put that word mistake out there but if you actually break it down and put it more into let's call it media or filming it's a miss take it simply mm. means that you have the opportunity to do that take it's a, again. It's a do-over, okay. A do-over, absolutely. I love that. I hadn't heard that before. All right, so you tried that that business that didn't go so well, but so you back up and you go down a different path. Um, and then you start this successful business with mm. your two business partners. Start yeah. a business that became successful and did that for about 10 years. Um, and then what did the exit of that business look like? Yeah. So there's, when you're in partnership with people, sometimes there's those, let's call them crucial conversations that you need to have. Um, we, we obviously, the podcast is adversity to abundance. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes the abundance turns into adversity. Mm, um, interesting. And that adversity may be something that we actually impose upon ourselves. So as, um, as life was going on and our business was growing, uh, it came to us as a family that there's simply more to life than business mm. and more to life than financial aspects. Mm. And uh, we made a decision as a family that we wanted to move from Australia overseas. Mm. And uh, that ended up being ba- that ended up being over here to the US. And so with that meant that mm. back to the business, what, there was a crucial conversation that I had to have with business partners, which is, hey, this is what we feel is really important to us as mm-hmm. family. And so now we need to actually look at exiting that business. And uh, that was, uh, yeah, there was a process. Got it. Um, there's obviously a lot, a lot, you know, there that went into that whole decision and the the process to execute on that decision. But so was it, it sounds like it was really mostly a decision. The factors that went into that decision to leave Australia and come to the U.S. were not actually business related, for the most part. Is that fair to say? It was more family. And- oh yeah. Okay. So I'll throw this one out there. the The decision for us to move to America was actually based on, believe it or not, a detergent bottle. <laughs> okay. How so? Okay. Gra- glad you asked. <laughs> yes. Um, so that was a softball. <laughs> it was totally. 
Yeah. Um, let's just simply say that as our kids were growing up, we were fortunate to be able to travel overseas. I'll keep the story short. At one point, we were in Borneo. Hmm. And in Borneo, you know, largely a third world country, except for some of the, um, let's call it some of the cities, we were fortunate enough to go out to a turtle resort, a turtle um, turtle resort. That's a that's a wrong way of phrasing it. Um, it is Turtle Island. It's basically okay. where they breed turtles. Um, on the way out, we visited a local island. And uh, in order to get out there, we visited a village where kids were playing soccer with a detergent bottle. Oh, wow. Now, here's four of us, you know, privileged. I'm going to say it this way. Privileged, um, lived in a a well-developed country family that loved us and all the rest of it. And we're traveling over and we're seeing kids that are playing totally enjoying themselves in a way that to us was just, oh, this is not the way that we live. Sure. But yet they were fully happy. Mm-hmm. And when we talk yeah. about abundance, yeah. I guess they knew no different. Sure. And it so reminds me of, just briefly, it reminds me of my time in, in Iraq. And we, uh, I was in, in Iraq in 2005, 2006. And mm-hmm. we, we did end up organizing a lot of, uh, shipments of clothing and other supplies to to come over and we would go out into the you know um different towns and hand out um items that that the civilians were very uh thankful for but at the same time you know these kids were running around with no shoes and and mm-hmm. um not not much to speak for whatsoever and for the most part they were very happy um yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's my uh, how that, that's what I r- relate to there. But so oh, good to be able to relate. I mean, everyone I think has that has that circumstance in their life somewhere if they can see it. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be on a on an island in Borneo. It probably doesn't have to be in Iraq. It could literally be right. actually walking down the street. Right. Someone's adversity is probably another person's abundance. It's a great way to put it. So, and so this just hit you all kind of what was the takeaway perfect so as as we're there our girls were making the comment they don't live like us mm. mm-hmm. and it was like yes true but they're happy sure. and mm-hmm. let's just say we return home and for maybe the next couple of weeks our our girls were of quite a different mindset all of a sudden the gratitude was increased mm. there's you know um a level of appreciation for what they did have two weeks Mm -hmm. back into, you know, usual, (laughs) just usual life. So what that meant was that we wanted to give our, our girls a broader life experience. Mm. So what does abundance represent? So is it purely the financial elements of what a business was actually drawing, or is it actually more to life than, than that? And that's what we were then seeking for is what's the greater abundance Mm. For us then, that meant there was an adventure to be had. Hmm. The adventure was, okay, removing ourselves from, you know, what was largely a comfortable existence in Melbourne, Australia, and actually taking a journey somewhere that would allow us to grow as well as give broader experience to our girls. Hmm. And hence, we landed in Salt Lake City in Utah. Got it. And... Uh, did you know what the 
the future would hold. I mean, of course not to, you know, on, on, uh, no one does on, on every level, but um, how, did you know how long you'd be in the U.S.? We did not. We did not. We started that journey simply with, this is going to be an adventure. We've got to give it at least a couple of years to make it worthwhile, um, but had no clue, no clue, Jamie, as to what it would mean. So now, contextually, if you go back to 2008, 2009, you've got a global mm-hmm. financial crisis. Move to the US. Well, the the same economic environment is still there. Can I just tell you, you know, we went from somewhat abundant circumstances. We went, moved to the US. The next two years professionally were the hardest two years I've ever faced. Hmm. Um, You talk about removing professional networks. All of a sudden, you're standing solo and needing to find new networks. Hmm. Um, The economy was not of a, you know, let's call it yeah. a booming point at that point. There was actually another, some legislation that came in, came into, came into pass mm-hmm. that had some adverse effects on that economy. I'm sorry, on that business. Mm-hmm. Uh, our savings just were depleting dramatically as we we're trying to hang on. And at one point, my wife and I turned to each other and it's like, oh, are we going to have to tuck tail and actually head home? Hmm. And uh, so, you, so you were still with the the same business. At this I was point. not. No, okay. no, 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 no. So that's... same same industry, but you'd ex- exited the business with your partners. Correct. That's how we moved across to the U.S. Was there Got are it. companies in the U.S. that actually wanted our skill set in the way that things are actually done here, and and ever ever grateful for them and for their vision in wanting us to come across mm-hmm. and uh, and help them. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, let's just say that sometimes. You can put yourself in circumstances that are mm-hmm. cause some um, adversity. Other times, mm-hmm. you're an innocent bystander. You know, literally, mm-hmm. legislation comes down, the economy fails. Mm-hmm. Sure. And you've got to wrap your head around what's going on with yeah. all of that and make, make sense of it and push forward. No, absolutely. We've had guests on the show who, through no fault of their own, you know, were diagnosed with, I don't know, stage four pancreatic yeah. pink you know, pancreatic cancer, as an example, I mean, that's, you know, or we, we've had guests who have made some pretty poor life decisions repeatedly over and over and over. And that's probably largely why they were in such dire circumstances. Um, so it sounds like, you know, there were some, yes, sure, you made the decision to come to the US and, and that, you know, but but there were some external changes that occurred that you there's no way you could have seen coming. All all those things, I guess, maybe collide at a mm-hmm. you know inopportune time mm-hmm. to then cause you to start to question: oh, Was this mm-hmm. really the right decision? Sure. You know, when we're seeking for abundance in other areas, but yet let's call it the financial aspects yeah. are not playing out the way that you wanted to. Sure. It's like, oh. yeah, it's it's one thing to say, well, you know, not not that you these were your words, but oh, money doesn't really matter. You know, that's, that's, that's one part of abundance. But then when you it's pulled from you, you start to really appreciate how much money does matter. And financial abundance is, is real, is a thing. So, but for context, let's put a little bit, you don't have to get, it's, it's up to you how much you want to share, of course. But mm. first of all, how old were your daughters when you moved? Uh, answer that one, if you would. 10 and 12. 10 and 12. Okay. That's good. Good to know. It's good context. How 
well were you living financially when you left Australia versus those two years, the first two years when you were here? Uh, look, I would say we were comfortable. Um, you it. know, you can sort of def- define that however you'd like. I mean, I wouldn't say sure. that we were, uh, you know, rolling in it, whatever whatever terminology you'd like to use. <laughs> sure. And I, and I hope that, uh, you know, from a, I believe I've a, I've come to a place where there's a great deal more humility now around those those elements. But uh, yeah, sure. we, we were comfortable. I think that's Got probably it. the easiest way of saying. It. Sure. And then so th- you reach a point during those two years. Again, we don't need to know how much money you made in those two years, but <laughs> sounds like you were close. You, you were legitimately close to he- heading back to Australia and just oh yeah, chalk, chalking this up as as a bad decision. Is that right? Or another, another one of those roads that you go down and think, oh, was sure. that the wrong call? Sure, sure. And so unlike the nightclub where that one was distinctly one of, all right, back up, <laughs> wrong call, let's go down a different path. This was yeah. one of, do we tuck tail mm-hmm. and you know reverse direction and then head back to the environment that we know that networks were there? And the decision at that point was, no, we felt <laughs> like this was absolutely the right thing to do we kind of felt that there was more of a prompting if anything to actually Mm -hmm. come to the u.s Mm -hmm. okay so now break through this next barrier how do we actually make it happen and uh i i think it once again lends itself to the it takes a village Mm -hmm. um sure the the, uh, i and I'll, i'll talk you know personally i cannot take um you know credit for all of these things that just that happened to us, not at all. Mm-hmm. There are so many others that are influential and impactful on our on our lives, and for that, ever ever grateful. Hmm. So, but how did that decision making process go? With you know, any anyone who's a business owner, whether it's mm. you know, if you if you are married, I'll say that if if you have a spouse or a significant other. Um, they're going to be heavily influenced by what you do with your business. And so how, how, how'd that process, it sounds like you, you and your spouse were quite a, a good team, but how did that go? I mean, were, were there times where you weren't on the same page? Speak to the, the small business owner out there who, you know, has a spouse and, and they need to make decisions that are going to affect the entire family. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I love the, the direction that that one's taking. I mean, mm-hmm. each, as I see it, each, uh, each couple, each person, each group, whatever is going to be somewhat different. Sure. We happen to operate a little bit like a yin and a, a yin and a yang. Mm-hmm. Um, there, are, I'm very fortunate that my wife has some very distinct skills um, that I don't have, and uh, so she compliments me. I compliment her. Mm-hmm. Those conversations were very much one of well, if it comes to the let's call it some of the financial, the business aspects, she's going to trust me. Hmm. Got it. Um, equally so, the other direction. But uh, yeah, there was some, I'd say, some some deep conversations. Um, what that would mean for us as, you know, a family, the impact, and and honestly, some of it, if we really sort of get into it, some of it's a pride based thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've made the dis- you've made this decision, and if it's mm-hmm. is failure an option? Is that mm-hmm. the way that you're going to be seen? And getting to a point where it's like, that doesn't matter. Take ego out of this. 
it's what's right for, and again, for us, it was what was right for the family. It doesn't matter if I actually had to fall on the sword and say, yep, crappy decision. Mm -hmm. But no, we decided that together, let's let's go. Um, There was also a bit of a change of mindset in this as well. Because on one hand, Jamie, when we made the move, naturally there was the experiences that we wanted to have as a family, mm-hmm. but it was also, sure, we, we saw that it wasn't going to be detrimental on the financial side. If not, there was probably greater opportunity. Sure. Now, I'd come from a world where it was small business and was going to mm-hmm. continue that route. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, I came to, let's call it a bit of a mind shift, which was one of, well, this entrepreneurial let's call it being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. is, is not just necessarily the title or a noun, that mm-hmm. is actually more of a mindset that there were, oh, in fact, as a small business owner, I'm still part of a company. Sure. You know, it's a company, it's a company of people. And whether or right. not I'm the owner of it, I'm dependent upon other people in my company Yeah. versus actually becoming part of a larger company and applying the same entrepreneurial mindset or -hmm. nearly an intrapreneur and actually benefiting those companies that I happen to be with. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, pivoted, um, again, some wonderful individuals that sort of joined the dots for us. And uh, yeah, at that point, happened to join a media company um, there in Salt Lake City and, uh, wow, changed the trajectory of our... um, call it our life there in Salt Lake and in the US. It's fantastic. And I imagine having that small business ownership experience probably allowed you to stand out from other applicants if, if you were applying for a job. And, you know, so I guess what I'm getting at is is for those out there who, you know, you didn't foresee this path going the way it did, your, your path going the way it actually turned out. But that small business and all that experience was still very much relevant to your new position when you're part of a, a bigger organization. So I would say just do the best, do the best you can at what the, at the task in front of you. And this is, I'm, I'm speaking to myself and everyone else, mm. um, not to say you should never take, take into account the, the big picture, but for the most part, you know, you don't know where it's going to lead and you don't know what today, how t- the skills you're gaining today and, and the contributions you're making today are going to, help you and others in the future. So, um, but I, I love that the fact that the entrepreneurship is, is really a mindset and more of a verb as opposed to, Oh, are you the, the owner of this, this company? Um, so now you talked about the hockey stick earlier. Um, mm-hmm. and now is that, a is that how things kind of went for you and your, your family, on a professional level um, from there? I mean, it sounds like things were really bad for a couple of years and then started to take off for you professionally. Is that true? Um, I would simply say that at the time you asked their, their ages, you know, 12 and t- 10 and 12. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, a couple of years later, you're talking 12 and 14. Sure. Once again, there's a, certainly in my mind, there was a decision around what's most important. Sure. And what okay. was most important was actually being present for our girls. Uh, again, okay. begin begin with the end in mind. Why did we actually start on this adventure? And it was sure. to give our girls and our family a broader life experience. 
if I simply went into the, let's call it full-on professional realm, mm-hmm. it, it requires focus, dedication, and that would then mean that the other areas probably would not have had the focus that it did. So, yeah, for the next, let's just call it the next five, six odd years, it mm-hmm. was one of, okay, well, I'm, I'll be tempered, let's call it that, from a mm-hmm. professional standpoint, making sure that I was able to put focus on where it was needed, and that was back mm-hmm. on the family. Okay. And so there is a period where, sure, there is some growth, let's call it that, mm-hmm. but it's not as we would say full gas. Sure. Got it. So you had some self-imposed boundaries. Uh, because a limiter. Prior- yeah. A limiter because you you de- you uh, decided what your priorities were. And, um, and for you, that was the family. Absolutely. And it's also where when you're not full gas, let's call it that, in one area, it enables, it would have certainly enabled me to be able to explore a bunch of other areas. And uh, hence, uh, some of those people that are around me now that I deem to be some of my closest friends came about because of, mm, let's call it um, physical adventures, you know, that we Mm. went on, uh, be that, you know, extreme bike rides and long runs and just things that you would say that's kind of wacky crazy but Mm -hmm. there's all these life lessons that you learn from it Mm -hmm. and those life lessons i can now say full well apply to business and Mm -hmm. to life so Um, had you not had you gone full gas you would not have been able to learn those life lessons at least not in the form that you totally oh yeah with, with, without doubt, and uh, you know, there's a there's a wonderful book um, that Clayton Christensen wrote. Okay. Um, Clayton Christensen, Harvard business professor, um, wrote the Innovator's Dilemma. But this one, in in case, was actually how will you measure your life? That yeah. Jamie for me stood out greatly because it meant it enabled or it helped me focus on what was really most important. Hmm. Um, is it really the financial aspects? No, that's that's one thing that enables all of the other things that are really the most important. And so that was one that uh, I guess I keyed in on and made sure that I was trying to keep focus on the things that were most most important. Most important. And if, yeah, if at the end of the day that that's I'd be happy with the end result. Is how would I measure my life? What other lessons did you learn from these? physical adventures that you were you were going on oh goodness um so let's just say w- when we're talking endurance um events there are uh, probably put them into context so one that comes to mind would be a 400 mile bike ride that's uh, basically riding your bike for 24 hours from sort of the north of the northern part of the of utah down to the southern part of utah and uh Yes, let's call it. There's needed preparation um, that when you actually participated in it, it's not just you. There's actually there's support. There's other people around you. It goes back to the whole premise of that it takes a village. Sure. Um, There's other elements that when you're competing in these events, you start to say, oh, who is this about? Mm -hmm. And what's the end goal? Um, When you're racing in these things, uh, I have a have a photo that is embedded in my mind of mm-hmm. the finishing line of this event. And there are four of us that are standing underneath it. These are just four, myself and three other mates. 
mm-hmm. that completed this, there were two of us that were actually rode the race. There were another couple okay. and others that actually came to join in. And then there was all of the support crew. So they're not in the photo, but my mind goes to all these other people. Mm-hmm. What an experience to come together and to, to bond. Now, the choice as you're actually riding in the, well, as I was riding in this race, was do I go for the win, a solo? Mm-hmm. One of the guys I was riding with was having um, GI problems mm. and sort of had, um, let's call it, fallen off the fallen off the front my choice was do i go for the win the glory and Mm -hmm. try and race another guy or no is it actually more important that i actually spend Mm -hmm. the time and spend the adventure with again this friend that i was with and also this crew that was the choice in the end my choice was to focus (laughs) more on the others versus myself and (laughs) therein is just another one of those life lessons that for me that was more important than yeah, getting sure. to the finish last first. No, it's definitely a, a theme uh, of our show is is just plugging yourself into being a, a something that's bigger than yourself and, and serving something bigger than well yourself. Said. Well said. Um, it's not all about Tim Swift, right? <laughs> that that it is definitely not. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we could talk about this. It's easy to say now on a, you know when we're hitting record, talking on a podcast, but in the moment. I don't know. I mean, it's you're you're a competitor. I I presume if you're doing a, a crazy race like this, you've got that ego just like the rest of us, and and there's nothing wrong with trying to win a race, right? That's um, so. Who knows? I, I'm not sure what I would have done to be honest with you. So it's easy for us to talk like this, but kudos to you for making that decision and and uh, and and uh, you know slowing back, slowing up, and and linking up with the with him. And I assume you finished together. We did. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was uh, um, a great thrill, great memory. I, I would echo though that when you're in those, when you're in the moment, mm-hmm. it is tough to make the decision mm-hmm. unless you have actually made, let's call it, the decision beforehand. I love and that. And that that comes back to understanding what your why is. What what is your purpose? What is your mission? And sure. when that's the case, then any of the circumstances that you actually come or encounter. It's like you've already made the decision. It's like, oh, if this happens, then that. If this happens, if that happens, then this, right? So sure. there's that's just one example of when it comes to, oh, faced with a decision in the moment, yeah, what am I going to do? Well, right. if I understand my why, then I know how to align my decision with that. Yeah, it's that's awesome because I mean, you know, these these types of decisions are going to to happen, right? You you didn't know oh, yeah. that exact decision was going to. You didn't know how it would unfold, but if you approach life to uh, with the the view that you're going to have challenges, you're going to have tactical decisions where you have to kind mm-hmm. of decide what your priority priority is in the moment. Well, then it's not unexpected, and you're already ready for it on some level. So you can actually make that mindset shift of even if you know my friend falls back due to GI problems, I can still you know, have a successful, um, still a successful day uh, with the, with the group as opposed to what if this, what if this, what if this, you've already got that decision made, you've already made, you know what your why is, so you can make that tactical decision much more easily. I love it. Totally. Applying this maybe to business, because yeah. obviously from an entrepreneurial standpoint, the, the same 
I see the same principle or concept occurring. When when someone has started their own small business, I ask the question, well, why did you do it? Hmm. And sure. if if economic circumstances, you know, happen to change and you start to say, oh, boy, now what's my why and what sure. decision do I need to do or do I need to make relative to even call it the people that are that are reliant on me, that are employed mm-hmm. by me? Do I cut them? Do I, mm-hmm. you know, do I lay them off because I'm focused on the, let's call it the profit of the company? And, sure. and there at times, obviously, you know, I, I say that not all circumstances are going to be exactly the same, but there are times where you have to say, oh, that's a really unfortunate event that needs to occur. In other instances, you may simply say, well, no, we're going to ride through this because sure. my why is, again, focused on the other people rather than let's call it the profit. Yeah. I love it. It's okay to approach it with the, the human element in mind versus mm-hmm. just making more money. Um, and at this point, so just reiterate for for the listener, what what was your why again through all of this? Oh, so I hope I've refined this to a point because at one point it was very, very squirrely. Um, my why ultimately is to help other people be the best version of themselves. Love that. That's awesome. Uh, you have refined it well. That's that's very good. Well, I, I hope that it's one of those things that it, it it you're striving for it, but it's never achievable. Sure. You know, it, uh, in all circumstances, um, that's I guess yeah what I'm trying to seek for. It's awesome. So, from uh, we're, we're going to have to gloss over some uh, mm. <laughs> a few years here, but walk us through you know from that. Uh, time period where you had you didn't go full gas for five years whatever you said it was um you know from that point up through today what professionally um uh, what has your life looked like uh professionally yes when it uh when it was time once our girls had actually graduated uh mm-hmm. it was full gas mm-hmm. um i we made the decision that with the girls now sort of let's call it that aspect of their life done that I was going to sure. pour pour, pour <laughs> fuel on it yeah, and uh, made the move from media um, into a software company. Um, that software company, I, again, very blessed that uh, that the opportunity was opened up to me. I hope that uh, I was able to do as best as possible by the company itself. And uh, yeah, that led to, uh, the, I guess, the last position there where I was president and chief operating officer. And uh, as a company, um, we sold out to a um, another software company that actually buys vertical market software businesses and uh, exited that company uh, a, a few months ago, um, was able to then take some time to really sort of think, ah, okay, I've focused on, let's call it that first mountain. Um, if you've heard that analogy, the two mountain analogy, yeah. um, I've focused on the first mountain and here I find myself in a situation of, well, gee, what's next? And uh, I really wanted to focus on the second mountain, which is how do I make sure that I'm less focused on me and my family and let's call it the you know that singular company, but also how do I focus on others how do i sure. become more outward focused i actually just read the that book by david brooks it's really good perfect well done yeah. very good uh very good book um 
so and the other thing that came to mind when you were speaking was that you know life has seasons and it's okay you're you're not the same you don't have to be the same exact tim swift from birth through <laughs> for the rest of your life in other words you can make it a, a strategic decision to throttle back for a while or no it's time to it's time to pour full gas on on this and let's let's do this um and, and but you're constantly you have your priorities but you're reevaluating along the way based on the change changes in circumstances doesn't mean your priorities have changed but maybe your your tactical approach changes based on other other um other factors anything to add to that well summarized i mean put it in business terms we talk about a you know a, let's call it a mission that's out there that is Mm-hmm. never changing it's the it's the north star that we're actually focused on mm-hmm. um the strategy to get there is going to be based on the circumstances you know mm-hmm. at the time the sure. tactics that you actually take day in day mm-hmm. out they're definitely going to change and sometimes they work and other times they don't and you got to pivot that's great so with your exit was that you know i guess you had some um equity ownership in the company or or how did the exit work for you personally yeah, look, we did. Uh, again, very fortunate that uh, the the owner or the founder of that company had uh, had enabled, let's call it, mm-hmm. other employees to be able to have some ownership in the company. And uh, so, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so many as part of that exit were able to benefit from it. And uh, you know, with that, many have stayed with the company. Others have since left and then are going on to other endeavors. But yeah, that was where my right. focus was. Um, to be able to say, well, not only am I, do I feel value um, in being able to contribute from a, mm-hmm. let's call it from a salary, from an income, regular income, but there's mm-hmm. value in actually building an asset. Mm-hmm. That's true, for sure. So congrats, that's great. And then you've had some some time off and now you're ready for your next, uh, the next venture. So ready. And uh, it, sometimes these things don't, come overnight uh it, you know just a recognition of what's most important and as you're as we were just sort of um engaging with before that what's the strategy going forward i'm just totally jazzed um energized in being able to put throw myself back into something that is very very much values based and aligned mm-hmm. with the the mission that i guess that i've personally got being able to uplift other people it's fantastic um you ready for some rapid fire questions Oh, heck yeah. Let's go. All right. What is one thing that people misunderstand about you, Tim? <sighs> that everything comes easy. That um, mm-hmm. I would say imposter syndrome, it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that even for some of us that have maybe from the external have mm-hmm. seemed to have some success, but mm-hmm. um, imposter syndrome still occurs. Got it. What is one of your your biggest failures, regrets? Um, maybe that we haven't touched on. Oh, um, this is a great one to step into. I've actually asked myself this many times and it, I actually put it into, um, call it a theme. The The thing that I regret most are, are actually when I've impacted, hurt, or have not done as well as I would like to for somebody else. Sometimes it's something I've said, some 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 way I've acted. Um, it's maybe to put it in short, it's when I've not uplifted somebody else. Got it. I think we can all we can all relate to that. 
if you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would it be? Oh, um, don't know that that would have existed back then, but this is a pretty easy one for me. Um, Jesus Christ. Great answer. Love, love to go back there and actually just, wow, you know, to, to experience what he experienced then, I'd say that most of us would be pretty humble with the way, the things that we actually, the things that we have to endure these days. Mm. I think uh, I've actually thought about the fact that I think is uh, from adversity to abundance. No one has a better story for <laughs> agreed, <laughs> you know, um, than he does. So if you could give your 18 year old self some advice, what would that be? Yeah, it probably relates back to, gee, what are the regrets that I've had? Um, sure. 18-year-old self, always uplift others, in whether that's in the way, in the way that I think, what I say, mm -hmm. what I do. Mm -hmm. If I focus on, if I was to focus on uplifting others, mm -hmm. um, I think I'd find myself a happier person and with mm -hmm. less regrets. I love that. A lot of truth there. If you were given $10 million tomorrow, what would you do with it? Uh, put it to work um put it to work so it can actually bless others you know there's the whole old analogy of you know give a man a fish feed him mm -hmm. for a day teach a man how to fish feed him for a lifetime for me it comes down to take that 10 million invest it put it into some type of business asset that's throwing off cash flow sure. use that cash flow to teach a man how to fish and it could be in many different aspects, but and and there's many great causes that are out there. But that that for me is again, let's call it back to another parable of talents, so to speak. Is that mm. yeah, take take that ten, make it work. Don't just sort of hide it away, or or um, uh, what's the right word? Not not use it wisely. Sure. Steward it well. Perfect. Um, <laughs> What is, uh, in your opinion, what's one of the most important personality traits that someone needs to be successful in, in your industry or in entrepreneurship in general? You said one. Can I give you yeah. three? Go for it. Humility, empathy, discipline. They're what I would deem to be my three non-negotiables. That's fantastic. Great answer. Um, what is one thing in your your field of expertise that almost no one agrees with you about? What's do you have any any uh, controversial takes on either business as a whole or or your specific industry? Oh, um, I've I've heard this one said many times. If 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 no one disagrees with you, you're not speaking loud enough. Mm. And so the one area that for me that I think is is challenging, especially when it comes to business and big business, mm -hmm. is a profit-centered mindset first. Okay. Can you can you speak a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, you know, think technology. Mm -hmm. And you've only you've only got to, you know, turn a couple of pages or do a search and you'll see the number of layoffs that have occurred mm -hmm. in the in the tech sector of late. Sure. And uh that certainly doesn't put people first there's a there's a mindset there that profit is the first thing to focus on and uh, i i would love to actually invert that triangle or that pyramid it's people mm -hmm. first and uh, some i can't say that everyone disagrees with me that's not the case uh, there's many that obviously do agree but sure. there are still others that focus on the profit first 
Got it. Makes sense. If you were to start a business tomorrow, what would it be? <laughs> I wasn't, I hadn't even thought of this one. <laughs> I don't always ask the, this one. If I was to start a business today, what would it be? Or, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take a, um, a soft answer on this one and it would be something purely for fun. Um, okay. it, it would be probably a bike packing adventure company. Mm. And the reason that's the case is that drawing together, um, let's call it adventure that people need to sure. take. They actually really are putting themselves out there. It benefits the local community as yeah. in that creates jobs in the little micro market. And it actually gets people into the outdoors and appreciative mm. of just the great, great things that are around. I love that. I need to introduce you to my, my brother-in-law, actually. He's biked across the country and he's got a similar idea. So after we, after we stop here, I'll, <laughs> we'll chat. I'll appreciate um, that introduction. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned at least we talked about a couple of different books. Do you have any, any other book recommendations? Look, uh, top, top of my reading list off the top of my head, how will you measure your life by Clayton Christensen? Um, phenomenal one that has helped guide me. Another one, atomic habits by James clear. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah. And then the infinite game by Simon Sinek. Okay. Love it. Not read that one. Um, great context. That's awesome. As as we wrap up here, Tim. So I know you've you've shared with me a little bit more about um, the organization that you play a role in. The question really is, how do you like to serve others? But that's what popped into my mind. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? Yeah. So I'll probably throw that into a few different buckets if I can. Um, sure. How do I how do I like to serve others? I mean, if I put my life into some containers professionally there's one and uh, very much energized by the opportunity to be back with uh, let's drop some names bonneville international and uh for the mission that they have of being a trusted voice of light and truth and uplifting other people through their media so there's a professional side um volunteer i certainly have some ecclesiastical responsibilities that you know we we engage in and there's one element there's also some volunteer work that I do with a, mm -hmm. uh, a board. Um, so the board is the Open Circle Foundation. Mm -hmm. And uh, that comes from a group called We Are Open Circle, who essentially serve those that are serving people at the front lines. So when you're talking about ex-military vets, those that are educators that are serving um, children in, um, in challenging circumstances, um, mm -hmm. workers in the medical facility and mm -hmm. and these are just op, uh, organizations that are trying to uplift and help people that are actually helping others we forget that those that are helping still have issues themselves they still need help sure they do and like you so, said before you, you you can impact more people if you're serving those who are also dedicated to impacting others totally totally um, totally fantastic um, man, this is great. I know we went a little bit long, but it's because uh, I just had it, this was such good stuff. This has been this has been great, Tim. I hope that there are some nuggets in there. I mean, I have totally um, enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I know that we could have gone really deep into a number of those other areas, but I I hope that there's something in this for people. Well, when you have we have you back on, we'll have to. 
pick one area and go deep with it. Um, so Tim Swift, where can our listeners reach out to you if they want to connect with you? How can they do that? Sure. Uh, I guess professionally, certainly on LinkedIn, um, Tim Swift, you'll find me. Um, the other is for those that are more sporting orientated, uh, you'll find all my adventures as well as the obligatory photo log on Strava. So okay. for you know, a platform that is typically there for, you know, for cycling, for running and for, uh, for other sort of sporting adventures. Fantastic. Is there anything we have not covered that you want to cover real quick? Uh, look, the, the one question I always throw out there is this. What does your dash represent? The dash okay. meaning that little dash that exists between your birth year and your death year. Hmm. That wow. one little thing, if you can answer that, I think it guides so many of the decisions and let's call it the adversities that we actually have to go through, why we go through it, how we go through it, and ultimately what we define as, let's call it abundance. What does your dash represent? Wow. I sure hope uh, nobody stopped listening before you dropped that <laughs> that knowledge bomb. That was that was very good. That was, that was awesome. Love that. Well, Tim, thank you so much. Really, We really appreciate you uh, spending your time with us. This has been fantastic. Thank you, Jamie, for having me on. It's, uh, it's always a thrill to, uh, to talk with you. And to our listener out there, we appreciate you very much. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us. And that is your time. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Investors, have you ever experienced challenging communication or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit BiFiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S.com. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time. Hey, everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman/haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman/haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman/haven. Let's get back to the show.